Well, good evening once again. And it's, uh, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. When you tell God you want to do something, you may be surprised what he has you do. So if you're sold out and want to do it, your turn's next. I had a message, well, it's not a message. I, I'm not a preacher, an evangelist. I just, I just want to talk to you a little bit. These thoughts came to me about a month or so ago, and during camp meeting, there was a minister got up, and he preached about Jesus feeding the 5,000 and what he did. And I told Sister Donna, uh, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday night, I'm not sure, he stole my what I was going to talk about and I said well not really he said I want to talk a little bit about after feeding the 5,000 and there were some things that happened and if you want to look at it the scriptures all come out of like uh, John 6 16 Get my glasses on so I can see. Matthew 14, like starts at the 22nd verse. Mark, 6th chapter and the 45th verse. But they seem to not just be exact word for word. And if you put them all in a basket and dump them out, then you get a good version, and tonight you're going to get George's version. So I want you to think with me. I've told you before I like to meditate and think, and I like to put myself in a position of who I'm thinking about or what I'm thinking about. So tonight I'd like you for to go back about 2,000 years. I want you to put on your robes and your sandals and think that you've just finished a hard day's labor work and you, Jesus has fed 5,000 days or two before that. You rode across the Sea of Galilee. You've been back. Jesus' ministry, you taught. You've been out in the field. He sent you out. And now is a chance to sit down and rest a little bit. And we find that that's not the case. When they got done collecting up the baskets, Jesus looked at him and he says, get in the boat, you're going to leave. And if you can imagine with me, here's these guys. They're tired. They've been up all day, maybe through the night with their boat and Jesus teaching. And in my mind, I can see them saying this. Well, why? Where are we going? Can't we stay here? I'm tired. I can't swim. And Jesus says, no, I want you, if you read Mark and, and Matthew, or John and Matthew, one of the two, it says he constrained them. He almost ordered them, pushed them to get in the boat. So the question why wasn't out of the ordinary. 
And the word they used was constraint. Get in the boat. Peter said, I can hear him saying, this isn't a good idea. This is getting late. I got a bad feeling about this. But they got in the boat and they shoved off and the boat went out and Jesus was still standing on the shore. One of them yelled out, Jesus, aren't you coming with us? No, not this time. You're going on your own. And they looked at Peter and said, well, Peter, where are we going? Well, he said, Jesus pointed over that way. And that's sort of northwest from where we are. We're going home. Oh, that made them all feel really good. We're going home. See our family. Get some rest. As they were floating out, I can see the little ship. Now, in my mind, it, you think of a little ship, but this really wasn't a little boat. There were 13 of them, and I looked it up, and an old fishing boat way back then had to be about 20 feet long to get about eight people in it. We've got 13, so it was either way overloaded or it was a little longer. So let's say it was between 20 and 25 feet long, still overloaded. The boats were U-shaped like this, prow in the middle. They were low-sided. This is why they weren't really good in storms or in high winds because the sides were low where they could get the fish pulled in and they didn't have to lean way over and rip their nets trying to get the fish in. So there were low-cut boats. So that's the boat they're in. And they're out in the sea, and they're traveling along. They left. Jesus said he went up into the mountain. Scripture says he went up at evening time, dusk. But let's just say around 9 o'clock, about what time it gets dark. And they were out. Now, from where they was at to where they was going, according to the map and the people that's got a computer, is about six miles. That's all the further it was. But halfway through the night, it says they were only halfway there, three miles. They'd run into a storm. I want to look at that storm just a teeny little bit. We have in the boat, and I've got to pick this up to read it. Here's what got in the boat, and here's what's proceeding out in the storm. We had three sets of brothers, business partners, tax collector, political activists, dreamers, analysis, doubters, a twin, impulsive people, ambitious uh, <clears throat> people, braggarts, daredevils, outcasts, second fiddles, and a traitor. And I can hear them as they go out across. Maybe they're not saying anything. They're sort of nodding because I suppose for a while there was just, it was nice. 
this boat that we're in, it was big enough to have a small sail. And they used a small sail to get out to where they was going, but they also used oars to manipulate the boat because we'd call it a scow. It just would not go where you wanted it to go until you actually forced it. We had three fishermen that were seamen. Peter, James, Andrew, and John. The rest of them was what we would call landlubbers. A landlubber is someone that is unseaworthy. They can't hold their legs when the boat rocks. And they sort of get seasick very easy. I went on a fishing cruise a couple of times. One, the sea was really rough, and I got seasick. One, it wasn't so bad at all, and it was just nice. And then the last one, when we went to Maine, we went way out into the Atlantic Ocean, and the wind had blowed for about three days, and it was rough, little white caps. It was a four-hour trip, and after about two hours, I lost it. So I can imagine, as these guys went along in the boat was gently rocking and they were nodding trying to catch some sleep Peter was at the tiller James and Andrew were busy about the boat making sure everything was okay and all of a sudden this breeze came Peter woke up real quick John John, did you feel that? Yeah, yeah, I did. And about that time, the breeze hit the sail, the little sail folded it sort of backwards. And they said, this isn't going to be good. They had sailed as enough, and they had been out there, and it wasn't long before this that incident that they were in another storm. But that time, Jesus was with them. This time, he wasn't. They were on their own. So Peter and James and John, they said, well, what are we going to do? And they said, well, let's wake them up and tell them what's going to happen. So they woke them up and sort of told them what was going to happen. There's a storm coming. We can feel it. And they no more told them what was going to happen, and they ran into a squall. Now, if you don't know what a squall is, that's that wind shear. Sometimes it's full of rain, sometimes it's just wind. This time it was just wind, as far as the scriptures say. But a squall can come up so suddenly, and in the Galilean Sea, and I looked all this stuff up, so I got just a teeny bit of idea what, what it's about. It's about 600 and some feet below sea level. The mountains around the eastern coast and the northern are 2,000 feet. So the wind and the cold air that's up in there from the heat of the the, uh, Galilean Sea rising just sucks that right down at them. They were in the northern part of that sea. A squall is is a blunt force wind. It can 
reach speeds from any place from 40 to 50 mile an hour to, to 60 to 100 miles an hour. And they have registered storms that bad in the Sea of Galilee that just popped up overnight as being 80 to 100 mile an hour winds. In my mind, I don't think they hit an 80 or 100 mile an hour wind, but they hit a squall. The wind blew out here all day long, all afternoon, and it blowed the neighbor's beach balls and the cans and whatever away. And it was about 15 to 20 mile an hour. And I thought, wow, I'm gonna talk about a storm and the wind blowing, and now all afternoon the wind blowed and blowed stuff all around, and when I walked in here, you could hardly feel it. I thought, no, that's bizarre. If I was looking for a, a fleece or something, you can just take it for what it's worth. I, I, I just, it sort of amazed me that I, talking about a storm at sea, and we've had a windstorm here, not a storm, but a, a good wind. So here's these guys in their little boat, and this barrage of wind hits them. If any of you are sailors and you know a little bit of sailor language, there's one term they use, and it's heave to. Now when the captain of the ship yells heave to, what they do is they turn the boat into the wind, they refix the sail, they secure it where it's just a little bit. They get out the, the oars for this boat, and they make sure everything is lashed and tied down. When a boat goes over a hill or over a wave, that sail will catch just a little bit of wind and give it a push forward. And when it noses down, the wind will catch it and keep it from just going straight under the water. They were riding these waves up and down, back and forth. So securing the boat, they put the sail away. They tie the rudder off so it stays in a straight course. And they head into the storm. Peter knew that the wind blowing out of the north and the, uh, the east where he was at in the sea, he didn't think about running aground because the wind was sort of blowing him out into the deeper and further extension of the Sea of Galilee. But during the storm, they lost track of where they was. They, they didn't know where they was at. I can see these guys in the boat. They'd been busy all day. They had ate a meal. They'd ate biscuits and fish. But one of the worst things you can do is go for a boat ride on an empty stomach. And the more that thing rocks and the more it goes up and down, and, and I know, I just told you, Brother Bailey was looking over the side. And somebody told me once, says, always take soda crackers and cheese with you. That'll help you. So I can see these fishermen in the boat, knowing what's going to happen, and I can see the other disciples not knowing what's going to happen. And I can see the disciples asking P 
Peter said, Peter, what are we going to do? What are you going to do to help us? Well, Peter knew there was just not much he could do to help him. But he told him this. He said, I know who built this boat. He's a master craftsman. He put love in the best materials and the boards and the ropes and the lashings. This boat is built to take a storm like this. And row boats and small boats, there's what they call a stay. A stay is the ropes that go up to the mast and hold it. And that's exactly the term of the word. The mast stays as long as the ropes are up. There's ropes that run down along the side. Old stays. And he says, tie yourself to the stay and hold on. The storm grew worse. They tried to row. I don't think they tried to row to make progress. They tried to row to keep the boat from turning sideways so it wouldn't be swamped and upset and filled full of water. So they rowed, and they rowed, and they rowed. I can see Peter and James and John. Maybe they had four hours. I don't know. Their hands were blistered. Their arms was tired and they asked, you know, can somebody help us out here? Well, the other disciples, they, they weren't able to help themselves. So they struggled, and they went on. And in the worst of the storm, and this is my crazy brain working, and Ivis says it never shuts off. I can see these guys just... Don't know what's going to happen next. I can see the fear in their eyes. You, you can tell when people are scared, they're big. And they sort of mumble within themselves as what's going to happen. And for some reason or other, and I don't know why, I, I vision Matthew getting up and going over to Peter and saying, Peter, I know we haven't got along. And I know that my past life has not been what an Israelite should have been. I'm sorry. Peter says, yeah, I says, I sort of hated you for your taxes and what you've done. But he says, I'm going to accept your apology. And they sort of embraced and shook hands. And I can see the other disciples sitting around and they seen this. And one by one they went over that those were around Capernaum where Matthew taxed everybody. And they reconciled. They were in this boat that was about to just sink. And they knew it. When people get into a place where they're so far down, they start looking for a different way out than just covering it up and just going on their way. When the other disciples seen this, and I believe, and I see just in my head, I see there in the pouring down sea mist, they were soaking wet. 
they were drenched. But they took part of their garments and they tore them. And the ones that were sick, they wiped their face and held their brow and rubbed their backs and comforted them the best they could. Even Judas, I can see him as he grabbed the money bag and he was sitting in the back, sort of hid, sort of away from everybody. I can see him coming out and offering to help and offering to do what he could to comfort those that were sick. Can I row, Peter? Can I do this? Yes. And I believe there in that ship, those 12 guys with the water running down their face and sort of hiding their tears, they poured their hearts out to God and to one another. As we know, Jesus was on the mountain and he came to him. And he was in prayer. And all through the New Testament, his prayers was, I came to seek and to find the lost. I did not come to destroy lives, but to restore them. I came to give life. One of his greatest prayers to his father says, I pray that they shall be one, like you and I are one, me and you, you and me. And I pray they are in themselves and they can be in us. He prayed that all through the Old or the New Testament. And in the night that he, before he was crucified, he, it's recorded in the book that he prayed that prayer. Not only did he pray for them, he prayed for us in the same manner, the same way, the same prayer. I believe when those disciples were gathered in that boat at their wits end, their strength is gone, they're sick, they might be injured, they're bleeding, but they're huddled together in one accord, together. And that's when I think, in my mind, Jesus was right there beside him. He waited, and I know God waits on us, excuse me, to, to collect ourselves collectively, huddle together, helping one another, praying for one another, doing what we can to make the ship go forward. When he appeared to him, he, he he was as a ghost, and we know the rest of the story, and I won't go any further than beyond that. But the relief that was there when Jesus came, but I think just before they seen Jesus, there was a tranquility and a peace within that ship right in the midst of that storm. And sometimes that's when we feel when they're in the midst of the storm, whether it's sickness or whether it's just whatever crushes us down, we can feel that tranquility because we have brothers and sisters that are praying for us. Mr. Sotolas said that. Jesus puts it all together. Jesus quieted the storm. And 
You can take this next verse that's in the scriptures, and, and I can't imagine, I can't fathom what it is. Immediately they were at their destination. You just figure that one out yourself. But we're like the disciples, we're in a ship called the ship of God. We've sang about it, you know, ship of Zion. I've anchored my soul in the harbor of rest. My anchor holds. We sing about ships. We sing about, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. We sing about all is well with my soul, as sorrows as like sea billows roll. We sing a lot of things about the sea and about a boat. But we're in a boat. Whether you call it the old ship of Zion or... But it's a vessel. And it's a vessel that Christ constrains us, compels us. Get in it. Just please, I died for you. Get in the boat. What do we do when we're in the boat? Well, we got disciples just telling us about the boat. You see, the boat is made out of the very sturdiest wood that God could find, called the old rugged cross. That prow that went clear down the front of the boat and clear under the keel was a beam. And that beam is positioned and made to where it plows through the water and it separates it. And when a wave comes up against it, it splits it. Instead of crushing the bow and the boat, it splits it. And that old rugged cross, as we look at that and we sing about it, that's what it did. It split us from sin. The boats and the staves and, and, or the, that, that are in that boat, the nails that held it together, from that master craftsman that Peter talked about, well, the nails in the, cr- the cross from the master craftsman that held him there on that cross is the same nails that holds this ship together, ship of God. He asked, well, where's the ship going? Well, the Holy Spirit's at the rudder. We sing about that. God is my pilot. It goes whithersoever the Lord wishes. And all we have to do is be like the disciples. Love one another. Hold fast. And if we see a soul off the edge of the boat, we reach out. As Jesus picked up Peter, we pick them up. Well, how big is this boat? Well, I'm not really sure. There's no conception of how big it is, but I know it's big enough to hold every soul of every man, woman, and child on the planet if they get on the boat. Well, where's the boat going? Out there. Well, where is out there? Heaven. To the very presence of God. 
I, um, I don't know how long we're going to be on this boat. I'm not sure how many storms we're going to go through. There's a military saying, David, you probably know this, about fair winds and gentle seas, calm seas. But then there's a storm or two out there. And we have a lot of people that we know that are going through a storm. My brother-in-law Terry's going through one. Terry Wilson's going through one. There are people that are just devastated by what the world's done to them with drugs and alcohol and, and sexual diseases and violence and crime. And man, it just goes on forever. Their storm is far worse than that wind that hit that little boat. But if they can get into this boat that we're in, then they're safe. The prow will split the waters for them and they won't have to be beat by the whales of the devil and the gates of hell that says, can't prevail against this, the church. So to wrap this all up, and Jesus had one plea at that time, get in the boat and head out to sea. The disciples, Peter had this request of his crew, lash yourself in and hold fast. We're going home. I can't add anything to those words except I'm glad to be a part of that little crew in that boat, battered and torn. We sing about it, sails are torn, boats battered, she sails on. So that's what the Lord gave me to say to you tonight. And like I said, I thought it came to me a month ago. So I, uh, I don't have anything other than that to say, Sister Donna, except I pray that if you're watching and, and you're not saved, I pray that you join the ship crew, that you would just join God and Jesus. There's a lot of songs we sing, and I don't know what kind of songs we could sing about a windstorm, but there was a song that came to my mind, and I wasn't even going to say anything about it, but it's about a guy that lived on a tropical island, paradise, and it was when Britain was in a war, and he said, there's a ship rigged and ready, lying in the harbor. And tomorrow for old England she sails. He says, I love this land of sunshine and I can't remember the other word, but he says, we're going to sail into a land that's dreary and dark. He talked about it as this ship sails into the battle. He says, we're going to sail into hell itself. Whether I return or whether I do not return, 
I have given my all. I have fought for my country, and we can say I've given my all, and we've fought a good fight of faith, and we've given it all for the Lord. He didn't make it home, but the ship went on. Ship got home. And that's my prayer to be on the ship that gets home. Sister Donna, if you can. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you listening to an old man anymore. Used to be a young feller, but not anymore. had so many thoughts come to my mind while Brother George was speaking. Um, and one thought when he said, you know, that the ship is U-shaped. And I know he's the letter U, but my brain said, wow, U. <laughs> and I thought, you know, sometimes you're in the vessel, you know, in allegories and all that stuff, you know, and you're wanting to use an example. And sometimes you are the vessel. Sometimes, you know, we're being carried. You know, you hear people that went through a hard time, loss of a loved one, a, an illness, a financial trouble, something like that. And they said, I could feel the prayers of the saints and how the Lord just carried me. Sometimes you're in the vessel. And then other times you are the vessel where you have to bear your burden. You've got to go through the storm. And, you know... Um, I don't know, that just stuck out to me. And, uh, and then when he said, what do you do in the boat? And the thought came to my mind, what do you do? We're all sailing, you know, and the old ship is on. You support one another. You help one another. You pull together. Because what we all want is just to get home. Amen. And we need to help each other get there. That not one of us is lost. Not one of us is overboard. Not one of us is left behind. But that we all pull together until God gets us home in that safe harbor of home. So that's what you do in the boat. <laughs> that's what we should do in the boat. We just support one another, help one another. Sometimes you can row and sometimes you don't have the strength. And there's nothing like a brother or sister coming along, bearing you up. You know, there's, to me, it, there's nothing that blesses my heart like somebody coming up to me and say, I've been praying for you. Because sometimes the storm is so great and you're so scared <laughs> and you don't know which way to turn that sometimes, I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there when I hardly knew how to pray. And there was nothing better than one of my fellow passengers come and say, I've been praying for you. And somehow it just has a way of lifting that load. Somehow it just makes the rowing easier, don't it? And we need one another. And I pray that you'll take this lesson to heart and that you stay in the boat. You pull together, and let's let God sort out all the things we don't know how. <laughs> Just let God be God, amen? 
He has his way in the storm, the Bible says. So just stay in the boat and pull together and let God sort the storm 